Welcome, welcome, welcome to another Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. This is our last guest segment of the year before football season because we have so many injuries and issues to discuss during the season. We really don't have time. So we wanted to end with a big one. And no better person than NFL MVP Rich Gannon, CBS analyst, Sirius XM host, do-it-all guy, and proud to say friend. Rich Gannon, welcome to the show. Doc, it is so good to be with you. I know that, uh, like myself, you're really looking forward to the start of the regular season. Uh, Some injuries in the preseason, but not as many as we used to see with most of the veterans sitting out these preseason games. Yeah, I mean, injuries, I mean, whether it's in practice or in games, I mean, look, uh, any team who can get through the preseason without a significant injury is a win. And about half the teams are able to do that, and the other half end up with uh, something. But let's chat. First of all, Rich, thanks for coming on. And for once, I get to turn the tables. You're usually interviewing me, and that's probably the better way to do it because I don't know that I'm a good host or – or uh, you're, you know, maybe a better guest, I hope, than an interviewer. But, Rich, first of all, I don't know if you realize this. You probably do. Do you feel like I stalk you? Because throughout your career, we have crossed paths a ton. Um, starting with, you know, my first gig was actually in Minnesota right after you were leaving, you know, where, where you were a starting quarterback. And then, you know, the career goes on, and, of course, you know, through your uh, MVP years at, at Oakland and Super Bowl, what, 37 against Tampa, where I was the host team physician in San Diego, to, uh, you know, crossing paths with at Oakland again. Norv Turner was your coach, and Norv Turner's invested in Sports Injury Central six score to Sirius. And, and now, and to tell people, I'm actually going to join you some on your uh, segments in. Uh, during this season for your uh, activities and looking forward to some of those videos at what as well. So are you tired of seeing me? Do I feel like I'm stalking you everywhere you, know, you go? You know what, doc, I would say this for, for so long, we were on opposite sidelines. You know what I mean? You're over uh-huh. there on the chargers bench. I was on the Raiders sidelines and now we're, we're teammates, which is kind of fun. We've come full circle, but <laughs> you know, I have great respect for your body of work and, and even, uh, more respect for what you're doing now. I just think that it's cutting edge. I, there's no one out there that's doing what you're doing, and I think you're really providing a, 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 a service, you know, to for people, for for everyone, for people like me who are broadcasting games and for talking about it on the radio and television, for for people out there in fantasy football, for people who are placing wagers on the game. People want to know what's going on, and that your ability to get out in front of it is second to none. Yeah, and, you know, as we talked, it's something I sort of just fell into because I studied. I mean, everyone in a football building looked at video on Monday, and I was the only guy at the time who wasn't, right? What's a doctor got to look at video for? And so, um, but so after seeing a guy on the field, on the sideline, in the locker room, the next day after an MRI, I usually had about 45 minutes before meeting with the GM. So the video boys were nice, and I was doing it. Why? Because everyone in the building was doing it. I felt like I should. There were occasions where a player would say, I'm not sure what happened. Uh, Let me look at the film. And there I knew the answer to the question. I knew what the diagnosis was. This isn't guessing. And obviously what I do now is not diagnosing because I'm not treating. It's just injury analysis, just like you give quarterback or, or football analysis. I'm not in the building. But there I knew the answer. And then the question was the video. Now I don't know the answer, and I just see the video. So it's the 17 years of but, but, video you know, study. We spend thousands of hours as players watching film and tape and trying to get an edge. And I think as a surgeon, you know, you spend some time. You've been in, you've been in the operating room for so long that I think there's a real benefit to going back and looking at the, the actual play involved. Uh, looking at, uh, you know, whether it's an acceleration or deceleration type of a situation, looking at a, a, a knee that gets twisted. And, and for you to have done that and looked at that tape over and over again, I think it's a benefit prior to going in, into the, the operating room. Uh, I think it gives you a, a real advantage over some doctors that, that haven't taken the time to really learn how to watch and study film so that you can have a good sense of what you're going to see once you open up, you know, a shoulder or a knee, for example. 
Well, Rich, you had a you've had a long and storied football career. Really, multiple careers, right? The Vikings and then Chiefs, and then obviously, uh, uh, as Taylor, my main assistant, will say, Raider great. I mean, everyone's a Raider great to him. I mean, uh, <laughs> Coach Co- Coach Turner's a Raider great. <laughs> you know, forget Cowboys great. You know, he's a Raider. You great. You got to play one game. That's the rules. Yeah, that's I mean, <laughs> he's he's crazy. But anyways, um, but for that vertebral fracture at the age of thirty eight. Could you or would you have played the age of 45 like like Tom? I would have tried. You know, I was really in good shape. You know, I was I was 39 years old when my career ended, and, and I felt like I was in as good a shape as I'd ever been. I, I think you learn, Doc, the longer you, you're in the business, how to train, right, how to train effectively, efficiently, how to uh, maintain uh, your conditioning, through even through training camp. I tell a lot of young players, you go to training camp, you get out of shape. You know, you're standing around, you, you, you know, you're, you're – you know, you're not playing in the preseason games if you're a veteran player. You're not getting as many reps. You have special teams periods. You have walkthroughs. And so I learned to really make sure that when I came out of training camp, I was in, you know, the peak condition. I think you learn to train year-round. I think you learn to train smart. And I think if you look at Tom Brady, he's 45 years old. Now think about it. He led the National Football League last year in pass attempts, completions, yards. Uh, you know, he was finished second. A close second, by the way, to Aaron Rodgers in the MVP voting, and he's 45 years old. I mean, and you know, he was just voted the number one player by the players in the National Football League. Uh, you know, heading into the 2022 season, he's 45. I mean, and you watch him throw the football now, as compared to say even five, six, seven years ago. I don't see any difference in terms of velocity. I mean, here's a guy that's taken amazingly good care of himself. Yeah, and, and this is not George Blanda at the age of 45 playing quarterback. I mean, this is a whole different thing. But the one thing I would probably point out, and uh, and I had forgotten about this, but uh, the boys did some research. And, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I'm lazy. I don't think I need to do any research for you. But you were drafted, and you were probably way ahead of your time. I mean, you came in the league at a time of pocket quarterbacks, yet – there was talk of your look. You you were a punter. There was talk you were going to be a running back or wide receiver. Um, you were not the you were ahead of your time as a quarterback in terms of being an athlete. Uh, how would your career be different today if you came into the league versus when you did? It's a great question. I think you know I I was pretty mobile. I I played in an offense in college. It was a Delaware wing T that really featured you know the quarterback. Uh, you know, to be able to run, to run the option and to do different things. And so I was probably further along athletically than I was mentally, just in terms of, you know, learning the offense. I, I came from a very basic, very vanilla uh, program in terms of offensive scheme. We didn't, you know, throw the ball very much. So I didn't really have a great understanding of protections and concepts and fronts and coverages from a defensive standpoint. So I had a lot to learn just before I could really get on the field. I, th- I felt like physically I was ready to go. I could compete with anybody, but I felt like, you know, mentally it was, there was a learning curve. And I think that that's the case for a lot of young quarterbacks, Doc. You know, we have a lot of quarterbacks last year. You know, Trevor Lawrence was the number one pick in the league uh, a year ago for, uh, out of Clemson, had an amazing college career. And last year he really struggled. I think the team wasn't good. The Urban Meyer situation wasn't good for him, but you can just see the game was going way too fast. You know, you look at Justin Fields in Chicago, some young quarterbacks that it, it takes a while. And unfortunately, we don't have a lot of patience as, uh, you know, NFL teams. We, we draft them. We want to play them right away before they're ready to play. And I think we'll see that again this year. We've got some young quarterbacks. Kenny Pickett's probably going to play sooner than later when you look at the situation in Pittsburgh. And Mitchell Trubisky will probably start week one, but – we get it. We we there's a there's a sense of urgency to put them out there, and unfortunately, a lot of times before they're ready. Yeah, and you know, you didn't even mention San Francisco. I mean, uh, moving Jimmy G on Trey Lance. You know, they say it's time. They they invested the three first round picks. It, it's time to to go. There's no waiting around. And and really, the magic right is to win on the first contract. That adds to the pressure because you know, in terms of the salary cap. When you're on the first contract, you're you're able to get them at a discount and uh, and spend more money elsewhere. So there there definitely is a is a lot of pressure there. No 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 question. Um, so tell me about that Super Bowl in San Diego. Was it just as simple as Gruden knew what the offense was, or was there more to it? 
No, there's, it's never one thing, right? I think you go back to it was the last Super Bowl that was ever played where we had a one-week turnaround. So, you know, we played the AFC Championship game on Sunday night. We jumped on a plane a Monday, and we flew to San Diego, and we, we really lost two days of preparation. So we lost the travel day on Monday, and on Tuesday we had media day, and, and that takes up, you know, most of the day. And so I, I just felt like the whole week we were scrambling to get caught up even watching tape and breaking down an opponent that we weren't very familiar with having, you know, been in the AFC and the Buccaneers being in the NFC. The other part of it was we're an older team, right? We had a lot of older players, uh, and, you know, they just – we did not do well with the, with the short turnaround. That combined with the fact that I think we we didn't take into consideration John Gruden's involvement as much as we should have from a defensive standpoint. You know, so he was very involved that week in preparing the defense. He actually ran the scout team on Friday – prior to the game uh, and really talked about a lot of the code words and the checks and, and some of the, the things that we did at the line of scrimmage. And so in the first quarter, it was really apparent that a lot of our at the line of scrimmage offense uh, was negated because you know, I would, I would call out a code word and, you know, Derek Brooks would be pointing to here, run here, run here. So that threw us off a little bit. And then, you know, we talked all week about running the football against that, that, that defense. They were smaller, they were quicker, they were faster. We were a bigger group up front with guys like Lincoln Kennedy and, you know, Mo Collins and, you know, Barrett Robbins, who didn't play in the game. That was another story in and of itself. Our starting center, who was an all-pro center that year, uh, went missing. He was in Mexico. Uh, he was not uh, physically able to play in the game. Uh, and, was, and that's the quarterback of your offensive line, right? That was a good loss. But again, you know, and then, you know, we, we didn't run the ball well. We got behind. We started throwing the ball. We started taking risk. Uh, we, had, we turned the ball over. You know, I made some poor decisions. And next thing you know, you're just, you're playing from behind in a game like that. And momentum in a big game like that is so important. And then I would say, you know, the, the, the turnovers in a game like that are magnified because you, when you turn the ball over in a Super Bowl, you're turning it over against an offense that can that can capitalize. You're turning it over against you know a team that's got a good defense. You're turning it over against good offensive coaches and play callers. So you know that that was certainly a part of it. I think we got out coached, we got outplayed, we you know out executed. I mean, and that's how you you know that's how you you lose a game like that. And unfortunately, you know you always think you're going to get back, right? But we were an older team and. And uh, a lot of those players that played in Super Bowl 37 weren't with us the following season. Yeah. And so in some ways, that Super Bowl was the ultimate legal spygate, right? I mean, uh, Gruden knew what was going to happen there. But you guys probably, I don't know, let me tell you how you feel about this. You say you never got back. You thought you would get back. But many would argue you should have gotten there a year earlier. Oh, right. You were the tuck, the opposing quarterback on the tuck rule, uh, the tuck rule. Your, your thoughts on that and, and the whole thing? You know, obviously ESPN and NFL Films did a, a big show on it, and, and uh, it's been a well-documented uh, part of NFL history. I think when you look at really how it transformed two teams, right? Now think about this. You know, Brady and Belichick, they they win that game and they go on to win the Super Bowl, the first of, of many. And we go back to Oakland and Al Davis trades away John Gruden. Not, you know, as much as I value Al Davis and his legacy and his history as a great owner, that was one of the worst decisions he ever made because we were a team that was really trending in the right direction. You know, we had one – three straight AFC West titles, went to a couple AFC championship games, go to a Super Bowl, and then, you know, we trade away, you know, our coach. And so, um, and then, ironically, he goes to Tampa and they win the Super Bowl. So that was a bad decision. But, you know, when you go look at the play in and of itself, I mean, obviously there's – I talked to Brady the following week at the Super Bowl, and I mean at the, at the Pro Bowl, and clearly we were blitzing from his right – he didn't see it. He was a young quarterback, an experienced quarterback. And in his instincts, he turned to his left to try and throw the ball quickly. And we were, we were bringing a blitz on the one side and we dropped in zone on the other side. And so there was nowhere to throw it. So he tried to stop his throwing motion. And as he stopped his throwing motion, Charles Woodson hit him. The ball went on the ground and Greg Beaker fell on it. And, and we thought the game was over. But, you know, Doc, the way I look at that, when I go back and look at it, any loss we ever had uh, – when I was a starting quarterback, I always went back and looked at what could we have done differently? And when you go back and look at the final drive offensively, the Raiders had in that game, 
the, the Patriots never should have gotten back on the field offensively. We had two or three chances to, to end the game, and we just didn't do it. We blocked two runs in one drive uh, incorrectly, and that really cost us an opportunity to uh, to maintain possession of the football so that the Patriots never would have gotten back on the field. Yeah, I mean, that rule is crazy. And for years, I would say, uh, look, it was in theory, the correct ruling, although it doesn't seem right, right? So once you start forward until doesn't matter the direction of the ball, as, as long as it doesn't touch your body or the other hand, it's still considered a forward pass. Now, as a fan, and, and look, I kept quiet on this with the Chargers. I promise you when Marty Schottenheimer was the coach, I wasn't telling him this. That's another <laughs> overlap that we have. But with the tuck rule before they changed it, why couldn't a quarterback drop back and his first motion is to pump fake and keep only one hand on the ball and continue to wave the ball. And if you do that, you're basically extending the tuck rule continuously, and there's no such thing as a strips out fumble anymore because anytime you get hit, you just let go of the ball. You just never put your opposite hand on the ball. Just wave the ball. Why, why wouldn't someone have done that? Well, there's certain interpretations of the rule, right? I, I think when a quarterback clearly pulls the ball down and and stops the throwing motion, and I think a certain period of time evolves where he's moving or scrambling or resetting, and then the ball is stripped out. I, I think, I think when you go back and look at it, and I think in the spirit of the rule, I think clearly, you know, Brady. And again, if you talk to Tom, he would tell you this uh, that you know he, he got fooled. I mean, and he he pulled the ball down. He had no intention to. Uh, you know, it wasn't like he was he was th- be just stopping the throwing motion. He he pulled it down, and it, it, he paused for a split second, and then that's when the hit happened. So, you know, I think a lot of us, no one that I'm aware of was familiar with the tuck rule. And, uh, yeah, I think <laughs> that was our sidelines was stunned. John Gruden went ballistic, and so did Al Davis. But, uh, you know, that's happened sometimes, you know, and, and we always talk about it. Don't let the officials – don't give the officials a chance – uh, you know, to impact the outcome of the game. And, and we didn't, we did that. We, we had an opportunity to, to put that game away and we didn't do it. Well, uh, that's what I would expect you to say, you know, right? You always take responsibility. So this football season, you're the final guest. We're kicking off the football season. Yeah, we're going to launch some new things at Sports Injury Central. What are some of your big takes? Is, is Josh Allen the MVP? Is, is Tua going to break out? Um, what are some of your uh, big thoughts and takes coming in? I would say a couple of things. I think we've got 10 new coaches, Doc. Think about that. Last year was seven. This year it's 10. I mean, it's uh, there's a dysfunctional cycle going on. These owners are just very impatient, and they just, you know, they just if it's, if it's not going the way they want, they just fire these guys, even if they have guaranteed contracts. We have 10 new coaches. We have a number of new quarterbacks. Some quarterbacks have changed teams. You look at Matt Ryan. He's now in Indianapolis. We've got – Marcus Mariota took his place in Atlanta. We've got, uh, you know, a couple young quarterbacks that have new uh, head coaches and coordinators. Trevor Lawrence, for the second straight season, has a new coordinator. You mentioned Tua, Doc, down in Miami. This is his third season. This is his fourth different play caller. Now think about that. You know, so you're constantly having to learn a new terminology, new system, new verbiage, new footwork. That'll be interesting. They've, they've really surrounded him. They obviously made the trade for Tyree Kill. Uh, they went went ahead and they added a couple of running backs, a Pro Bowl left tackle. So they're going to be better around him, and there are no more excuses for Tua. He has to play better. You mentioned Josh Allen. I think he's one of the premier quarterbacks in the National Football League, which is interesting. His first year he completed 52% of his passes. Everyone said the guy's not very accurate. That second year went to 59. His third year went to 68. And this guy has steadily improved his, his footwork, his accuracy, his decision-making. But – he lost Brian Dable, you know, his offensive coordinator. So there's a change even there in Buffalo. But I think you look at the AFC West, and, Doc, you and I were part of the AFC West for a long time. I mean, think about if you're a defensive coordinator in the AFC West, good luck. You know, you got Justin Herbert in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Russell Wilson now is in Denver. you got Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City and Derek Carr uh, in Las Vegas. I mean, if you want, want to see fireworks and great offense – Look no further. To me, though, the biggest question I have is who's going to win that division? I think a lot of these teams are going to be uh, around 500 at Thanksgiving, I think, because they have to play each other twice. I think it's going to be a very interesting division to watch, that AFC West. 
No question. I want to run one thing by you before I let you go, because I really value your brain. You're, you always think next level. We're working on a story here, and don't get me wrong. I think Tua's great. He's a great quarterback. He's the number one pick, you know, the first-round pick, the whole deal. But I think he has – tell me if you like this theory or not – a higher barrier to be Patrick Mahomes great. He's naturally a right-handed guy. His dad made him throw left-handed. He writes right-handed. He eats right-handed. He bowls right-handed, but he throws a baseball and football left-handed. Mm-hmm. As a pitcher in baseball, if you're a right-hander, you can be a left-handed pitcher because it's a static throwing motion from a fixed position. But the position of quarterback is dynamic, be it on the move, change arm angles and other things. And medically, you're wired left brain if you're right-handed and right brain if you're left-handed. And so he's right-brained, but he's left-handed, relying on his right brain. I'm not saying he can't be great and he, with people around him, but I, do you take any thought that it's a higher barrier for an off-handed guy? Yeah, there's no question he can throw. He's got a great arm. He can do it all. But the split-second decision-making when your right and left brain is opposite, do you think I'm crazy to think that that makes it a higher barrier for him to be elite or do you think there may be something there? I think it's dangerous when we start comparing players like Tua to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I just do. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about uh, an elite player at his position in Mahomes. He's been an NFL MVP. He's been a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he has what I would call unusual arm talent. And I, I think Tua is, ne- does, is simply not ever going to get there. He, he doesn't possess that type of rifle, that type of range. There's not an area of the field that's a weakness for, for Patrick Mahomes. Where you look at Tua, Doc, he doesn't really drive the ball as well as you like when he's throwing the ball deep outside the numbers. He's more of a, a touch passer. Uh, he's never going to overpower you with his arm talent. Uh, I think he's a guy that has to rely on his anticipation, his accuracy, his footwork. Um, you know, I, I, I did one of his games just a couple of weeks ago, and, of course, I've done a number of his games. It, my concern with him, you know, he had that significant injury coming out of college. Uh, he missed uh, some time early in his career, and then last year he missed four games with some rib injury. I'm just curious, can he stay on the field? He's not the biggest guy. Uh, I don't see the mobility that I once saw from him when he was at Alabama. I think he's a little bit hesitant to use his legs as much as he probably should. Uh, He doesn't have uh, the pocket awareness like a Patrick Mahomes. That being said, the guy's a winner. I mean, he's, he's, he's got a lot of qualities and the characteristics you love at that position. He's tough. He's competitive. I think he's a smart kid. I think he's a guy that, you know, is a good leader. Uh, but I want to see more from him this year. I want to see him be able to put this team on its back in critical times. I want to see him play better situationally on third down, down the red zone, late in games. So there are no more excuses for Tua in year three. They he, they, they really went out and added some weapons for him uh, offensively, and uh, I'm very curious to see what type, what, it, the amount of improvement we can see from him in year three. It's a, an important year for Tua. Yeah, I'm I'm rooting for him, right? And I hope he does well, and I wasn't trying to denigrate him. But, you know, I don't know. For, uh, medically, right brain, left brain, and other things, to, to me, uh, the reaction split. Uh, the game is, I mean, Rich Gannon MVP is this much different than the next guy, right? You just get, when things go right, you're the MVP, and, and the, the, the line is very small between uh, one guy and another or out of the league or in the league. A lot of the clock, as you know, it's about consistency. It's, it's about consistency week in and week out. And the great ones, you know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, you know what you're going to get from them every week. You know, even on an off week, they still put their team in a position to have a chance to win. Well, Rich, we know we get from you every week and every time on and off the field and now with your analyst stuff. We're going to let you go. We could talk a lot longer, but I know you've got other media commitments in your own show to do. So thank you very much. Any parting words or anything? I'm so looking forward to to being with you. I appreciate all you do, and uh, you know me. I I follow you very closely on Twitter all the time. I'm following, (laughs) and and if you don't put it out, I'm, I'm hitting you up on a text Asking where the information is. You know, you know me. I, I don't have a lot of patience, but you're on top of it, my man. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. The great Rich Gannon, uh, NFL MVP, and more. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with the regular Sports Injury Central Pro Football Doc segments after this. 
All right, let's continue with the Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast. Uh, that was pretty cool to have uh, Rich Gannon on, huh? Jacob's here, Taylor, Justin, etc. And for the most part, Taylor kept quiet. For the most part, he couldn't help himself. I couldn't. No, I tried, but you know, at least <laughs> at least Rich Gannon is a Raider great. Yes. I mean, you you like a cup of coffee, all yeah. Raider great. I mean, whatever. No, Antonio Brown, not Raider great. Play one game, Raider great. It's a it's a weird threshold, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the one thing I learned, maybe the other reason that. Uh, Look, Rich is just a great guy. I don't know. We just keep running each other. But it sounds like he stalks me as much as I stalked him. Yeah, huh? yeah that's surprising. <laughs> both do. <laughs> on Twitter, yep. his comment. It's a match made in heaven. Just joking. You guys just both have joking. notifications on him, both of you guys. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just joking around. Uh, no, he's a he's a good guy. And you can tell he's a very smart guy. And, yes, and look, yeah. I'm very honest. He's like, oh, I came in the league and I didn't know how to read defenses. I didn't, yeah. I didn't play that in college. But, you know, who would have thought he was the original – for lack of a better word, Michael Vick and Lamar Jackson or whatever, right? right. I mean, mm-hmm. the athletic quarterback. Um, anyways. All right, what do we got for the rest of the podcast here? Surprise me. What do you want to talk about? Well, I hate to start off on this note, but it's the talk of the, the NFL world right now, the Brian Robinson situation, attempted carjacking, got shot twice, and once in the glute, once in the lower leg. That just came out today. Um, well, as the article at Sports Injury Central talks about, first of all, I mean – Boy, he's really lucky, right? Yeah, right. That's, that's kind of cool. I mean, and this is seems to be clearly one of those, oh my God, horrific uh, innocent bystander. This is uh, no different, uh, well, different because he's quote oh, going to be okay than um, uh, Sean Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. Innocent, right? right. Yes. Another Washington football player. But anyways, um, as far as the injuries go. When it comes to gunshots, and by the way, look, I don't work at a trauma center and so forth, but I do have experience with this. If you look it up, the Chargers drafted a safety, Terrence Keel. And uh, before he reported to us, he was, I believe, shot in a mall in Houston. And so the team was had me, uh, can you call and figure out what he's got and wow. whatever? So it's not unprecedented. And, of course, there's, you know uh, – Plexico Burris, uh, you know, whatever. This criminal activity, carjacking, robbery, whatever it was, here's the deal. You don't ever want to be shot. But if you are going to get shot, assuming it's not machine gun or rifle that's penetrating you, the glute is not a bad place to get shot. That's about the meatiest part of anyone's body. And muscles, hard and tough, and that would stop a bullet. And the good news is the worry about any gunshot wound is, okay, of course, vital organs. Well, in your glute, there's none. But arteries and nerves, the artery nerves in the glute and the hip are very deep, not really near that area at all. That's So if you're going to pick a place to be shot, that's a good place to be shot. So hopefully it turns out to be the case. And now we had surgery. And believe it or not, you don't always have to do surgery to dig the bullet out unless it's like near an artery or nerve or something where it might migrate somewhere. And then uh, the leg, obviously more nonspecific, a couple more nerves down there. Uh, you know, you're not going to have a fracture in your glute. You might have a fracture of the fibula, mm. probably not tibia. Um, but it depends on where he was shot, right, in the leg. But here's the thing. At this point, with very little knowledge of the specifics, it's not the end of his career, mm-hmm. which is great, right? Well, right. first of all, it's not the end of his life. That's the most important thing. Right. It's not the end of his career, I don't believe. It's a matter of when he returns, not if. Now, that when isn't going to be early season, right? Because even in the best-case scenario, it didn't hit anything. He's got to rehab and get back into shape. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, can we keep our fingers crossed and hope midseason? Maybe. So, I, I mean, it's just a crazy set of circumstances. Yeah, well, it's great to hear. I mean, the news came out first. You just see stable condition and non-life-threatening. And that's kind of how the police feed info to to journalists and stuff. So it makes it seem more serious than it is. So it's good to hear that it was just, you know, hopefully just a flesh wound, just simple surgery, take it out or, or repair whatever needed or get repaired. Yeah, and and hopefully that's that's it because it is a serious topic. And hopefully uh, then, you know, I know Taylor's chomping at the bit to bring up his Reddit con- conspiracy theories, aren't you? 
Oh yeah. About like Tom Brady did. Yeah. With the mass singer. Yeah. I have a lot of different. Yeah. Theories. No, I meant like, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Antonio Brown, Antonio Gibson or his people did that to get his job oh, back. Yeah, Cause yeah. I know you casually mentioned that you're chomping at yeah, the bit to no, go there. I was telling you other sports stories that to kind of do stuff like that. I mean, the weird thing was as Robinson just got the starting job that day. So, I mean, obviously the conspiracy theories are going to lead to that, but they probably shouldn't, <laughs> but I'm, I have a weird brain. So <laughs> yes, yes, I mean, but... this, is, this is not Tanya Hardy, Nancy yes. Kerrigan, you know, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, well, whatever. preseason wrapped up. So we got to have something to talk about. That's, yeah. that's where the conspiracy theories come from. <laughs> Too much empty air right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of another conspiracy theory, I've had several plastic surgery people, and cosmetic specialists say, eh, what do you know about Tom Brady and how he looks now <laughs> and after his 11 days? Yeah. You know, we'll work on that. But, he uh, looks he looks odd. That's kind of funny you said that. I just didn't know what the oddity of it is, you know, but I think look, you're on maybe on to something. That's, uh, we'll see. Like you said. If, if, if we get a cosmetic specialist or plastic surgeon to go on the record, then we'll go on there. Uh, that's not my area, but is it fillers? Did he get a peel? I, I don't know. He's entitled. Like the guy doesn't look 45, does he? I mean, can that all be avocado ice cream? I mean, <laughs> for I, I marketing, yes, but real probably yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I get ads, but this was a press conference. Right, was it right. funny lighting? I mean, this is not, I mean, the, the, all uh, the lights are on. It's, yeah. The media that were there weren't airbrushing pictures, right? I right. mean, ads I get, but. His attire was weird too. It looked like it was like overblown. Like it looked like he was wearing Giselle's hoodie. Like she was. Like, I don't. I don't really know. It was very. I don't know. It just. It was an odd appearance. Leave, leave poor yeah. Tom alone. I we know, already hammered him last week <laughs> we about <did>. Giselle. <laughs> no, Tom's great. Yes, but yeah. here's the thing. I mean, I look at it as is you know everyone wants stuff to talk about and and look more power to him. He's back. He's rejuvenated. I'm not. I'm not mad at him. I mean, you know, but I loved his quote. I mean, that, that should be my mantra. Yeah. He said, I'm 45. What did he say? Yeah, I'm 45. There's shit going on all the time. Yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of shit to take care of <laughs> yeah, or yeah, going yeah. on. Yeah. It's a true statement, right? <laughs> Very true statement. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I love that that authenticity. And Tom. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else we got? Real stuff. Yeah. We got articles up on the website on all the latest preseason injuries. I think TJ Watt is a big one. People are tracking Najee Harris today as well. Um, TJ Watt, interesting that that came up two weeks in a row. I mean, we had the Thibodeau cut block and then TJ Watts taken out by Hawkinson. Hawkinson looked apologetic. I mean, it, it's a run play. It's chaos at the line, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, uh, first of all, you bring up the stuff at the site. And, yes, the, the fantasy toolkit, I think, is among the best things. Click right. on that. Mm -hmm. It's all free. There's there's never been a paywall, but there's no registration wall. Right. Check it out. And, uh you know, be prepared for your, I mean, this is fan, This is the heat of the season for fantasy right. drafts Absolutely. right now. Um, so on, first of all, TJ Watt, I know you guys, preseason, we're still finishing up summer and you guys texted me all that stuff when we looked at it. But immediately, thankfully, it looks like it's coming true. It's not major. And boy, what a difference a week makes. Last week, the narrative was, that's an illegal block. Kayvon Thibodeau, that could end his career. That was yep. terrible, da-da-da, illegal block. And this week, I said immediately, right? I mean, similar to Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, T.J. Watt took it in the other leg the other way. He, in, he's not seriously hurt. Maybe a mild MCL. Reasonable chance to play week one. Don't know for sure yet. And All then right. we'll roll into the, the Mike Tomlin stuff. But Tomlin says, no big deal. He could have kept playing. He isn't worried, is what he said. He's yeah. not worried. Yeah. Yeah. Look, the injury's real. I'm not sure that he would have played. I mean, of course, if it were a regular season game, T.J. Watt might have tried. I'm not sure how effectively. I think he sprained his MCL. I don't think this is nothing. But I think we're all in agreement that that's not a an illegal block. Right. And I saw Cam Hayward say, I know that's not illegal, but it should be. Right? Okay, that's a fair Just statement. Just angry because it's the you know, guy yeah. got hurt. That's a yeah. fair statement. Right. I mean, uh, you know, Defensive guys have to say, you take care of all the offensive players. What about me? Right, right. And I Very get true. that. But, you know, at least we settled last week's big question. Is that illegal? Right now, it is not illegal. Should mm -hmm. it be? That's a different question. Right. But let's talk about the Steelers. And look, Steeler Nation, I love how passionate the fans are. 
I've told you guys before, one of my favorite things is, it's no longer Heinz Field, whatever the new thing is, uh, the stick song yep. that, that Renegade, the start of the fourth quarter. One mm -hmm. of the best traditions, love it, the whole deal. Mike Tomlin, unbelievable, great coach. But coach speak, okay? He's now saying he's not worried about T.J. Watt. He basically doesn't have anything. What did he say about Najee Harris? He got stepped on. And was emphatic that he got stepped Don't on. Don't worry about it. He got stepped not on. A, not a big deal. Yeah. He got stepped on. Yep. Happens and Najee time. Harris, what did he say yesterday? He said after the game that he felt rusty and that he's been dealing with a Liz Frank sprain. <laughs> so He said, I know, that, I know I heard about people saying it stepped on toe, but it was not a stepped on toe. If <laughs> <laughs> you get stepped on by a lineman, you don't get a Liz Frank? No. <laughs> no amount not. of stepping on? Just, stepping just on is not Liz Frank. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, Mike Tomlin knows what he's doing. I'm not calling him a liar. Look, it's spin. It's coach speak. He didn't want to get Steelers Nation up and up. List Frank, imagine the headlines. What's going to happen to Najee Harris? List Frank, oh my God, surgery. But there's different degrees and levels of List Franks. Najee Harris obviously took some preseason snaps. He said he felt rusty. He didn't look too bad. Four he, carries, 10 yards, he had. Yeah. He hurdled someone, so yeah. Uh, you know, look, is he 100%? No, but if this was a, an unstable list rank, they wouldn't have put him in there. They couldn't have. Right, right. Yeah. So the fact they put him in in a preseason game, we're not changing his six score, but coach speak. And I just chuckle, right? I, I mean, we. I have one nugget on that. Um, uh, beat reporter uh, Mark Caboli just went on the Pat McAfee show and he said he's probably going to get called to Tomlin's office now because Tomlin apparently hates when anybody on his team talks about injuries. So he said the fact that Najee said that. That he's probably gonna get called to the principal's office to go talk about that. Najee or Mike Mike Mark Caboli? Oh no, Najee uh, Harris is Najee Harris. Yeah, maybe both now. <laughs> Caboli said it, but yeah, apparently, uh, yeah, that it's, um, Tomlin hates when anyone talks about injury stuff. So if Najee did that without anybody telling him to, he's gonna get it. Deflates his coach speak. He wants yeah. to be the final word on injuries. Yeah. Well, I was gonna get to that. I mean, yeah. the fact that he, I mean, you can defend. I got out. It slipped. I said I had a list, Frank. I got asked. I didn't remember what you said, Coach. But he specifically said I didn't get stepped. I on. did not get stepped <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> so basically, Tomlin's comments registered with him, and he was feeling the flack from others saying, you, "WTF? Yeah. You got stepped on. Why get back here? out there, yeah. yeah, right." And remember, this is what I said about some athletes. Mitch Schwartz was the most recent example where I said. They actually like it when we do what we do because it yep. like now we didn't have video to say it was a list Frank that, so yeah. preseason, et cetera. But basically that's him saying, you know, get off my case. I'm not soft. My foot wasn't just stepped on. I had a list Frank. Is that him being young? Like is that an older veteran player might not have said that, or is anybody getting flack was gonna defend themselves eventually? Uh, uh, it depends. Okay. Okay. I could see it going a lot of different ways. A younger player maybe just says it out of reaction. Right. A younger player maybe is too scared to go against his head coach. A veteran might not be afraid right out to say it, but a veteran might leak it to other sources to, smart it, about to come it. out of a way to say, do it. Yeah. I didn't say anything, coach. I don't know where that came from, yeah. but right. somehow they got it. I don't know. Somehow they yeah. got it. And well, you confirmed it. Well, you want me to lie? Yeah. I, I can't lie. That's right. not me, you know? So there's different ways to handle that. Play the game. Yeah. It's all in good fun and it's coach speak. You know what? What do you think, Jacob? Should we do an article? And I'll have to compile. I have some in my head. The. You got a top the, five. The three yeah. or five biggest coach speakers in the league, and maybe the three or five most straightforward in the league. I mean, I won't say his name because I don't want to, I don't have permission from him. But I told the head coach once, you don't lie. And he goes, nope. I said, but I know what you do. This is fairly recently, a head coach in the league. And I said, I know what you do. He said, what's that? So after a game, you talk to the press and you say, I don't know. I don't know what happened to you. We'll find out. We'll let you know. And you're honest. You don't know. Because you just make a point of avoiding the head athletic trainer and doctor till after the press conference post game. And he said, yep. 
<laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I'm not going to throw the coach under the bus yeah. with that, but like, you know, I mean. That's like, my favorite move though. I think that's super smart because like you're not, I mean, you don't know. That knowledge isn't <laughs> in his head. It's yeah, not like, I yeah. think that's, that's what I, if I was to do anything, that's what I would do. I, 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 almost, said, I almost said his name. I almost just oh, came out natural I, I, conversation. I've been biting my tongue. So yeah. I, I, look. <laughs> But I do, I do want that article just to keep track because I'm going to be referring back to it as like, okay, can we trust this guy or, or yeah. should we read between the lines? That's a great way. Do you way remember Mike yeah. Tomlin? Taylor might remember a couple years ago. I remember it was an early December game a few years back and James Conner was with them. Mm-hmm. And they played the Chargers early December. Yep. And I said, we said at Pro Football Doc, there was no Sports Injury Central at the time. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, That's a high yeah. ankle sprain. Yep. And Mike Tomlin said, it's a bruise. He got kicked. It's a bruise. And he missed the next three weeks Mm -hmm. with a high high ankle ankle sprain. So look, (laughs) he's doing his job. It's fine. No one's hating on him. I mean, it's the spin. That's what it is. Um, And look, if coaches didn't spin, maybe nobody cares about what we say, right? right. I mean, so that's, true. That, that's part of our job. Anyways, um, I, hopefully everyone who hears this can hear the tone that I'm doing. I'm not hating on anyone. It's just in good fun. And that's just what happens. Almost every coach does it to some degree, some more than others. It is what it is. It's detective work, right? It's it, fun. Yeah. it factors in the analysis. That's, that's part of the checklist, what he said, how he said it. What for sure? Yes. Exact video from the press conference. And that's why I was telling so. you guys: you got to get to the panel of doctors, the source Correct information, source yep. not the beat reporters picked out one line quotation. The actual context. Don't play phone call. Get of, the actual phone call. of it all. I remember um, uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky, now Steelers, but Bears at the time. The Bears head coach specifically saying. Mitch Trubisky will be fine for the Thanksgiving game. We had to list him with a throwing shoulder injury because it is, this is Monday before Thanksgiving. I remember this, yeah. And he specifically said he stayed in the game after it happened. Mm -hmm. It was, who's the Viking safe? Harrison Smith. Yep. Hit him and he was fine. He stayed in the game in the fourth quarter. He named the hit. So this was on Monday, the press conference. And I remember on Tuesday morning, our going to look at the video. Yep. And I went, he sublexed his shoulder. You're like, he's he not playing. Not playing. <laughs> yep. Right? And yep. if you look it up, he did not. And I won't say names. But major insider reporters, the two biggest ones both said, it's fine. He he's can playing. play. He's, he's playing. playing. Yep. And we're like, he's not playing. And on Thursday, he the Thanksgiving game, he did not play. And then came reports because it was a short week. Yep. And we came back and said, no, 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 no. no he's not playing next, next week one. either. Yep. He missed next week as well. Yep. And and the best part, if you remember this, is uh, Chase Daniel. He's in San Diego a lot. Anyways, his wife did a piece, and I don't think she realized she was spilling the beans, but this was Chase Daniels' first game starting ever. And yeah, on the line moved and whatever. The Bears still won, blah, 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 whatever. But she said, she was asked, well, how is it to have a first start for your husband? You know, he's been a career backup. She goes, yeah, it was a chaotic week. I was getting ready to host the family over for Thanksgiving yep. and have him come into town. And I got a call from Chase on Monday saying, pack your bags. Uh, you know, you're going to Detroit where mm-hmm. I'm starting the game. This was on Monday. Yep, I remember <laughs> that. you said that. So it's fine. It's just what coach speak is. A small nugget on that. I remember when we were doing that, I was playing obviously fans football and um, someone offered me Allen Robinson. I remember, and I remember I was for the trade on Sunday, but when I was working with you, I didn't accept the trade on Monday. And I remember getting, he's like, why didn't you accept it? I was like, just wait, just wait. And when, when you and me found out about the, the shoulder, I denied the trade. And he was just like, that's messed up. I'm like, I knew something. I'm sorry. But I always remember that injury because I, you, that was the, using my information. Well, that was the, that, the reason why I remember the injury at the time mm-hmm. I was writing for the San Diego Union Tribune. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was starting clinic on Tuesday and I submitted the article and it got published as I was starting clinic. Mm-hmm. And I checked the line an hour later, and the line had moved across three. Yep. It was three and a half, and it, it went, went to two and a half. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and on a Tuesday afternoon, 
what else is moving? What else should be moving? I mean, so that was the first clue that there's something to this. But anyways, more topics, enough for reminiscing. (laughs) Well, kind of goes hand in hand because hiding behind health goes across sports too. I mean, uh, big story of baseball right now is Jordan Alvarez. He said his hand's still bothering him. He's got four extra base hits in the last 100 plate appearances. His last home run was August 10th. Jordan Alvarez is a great player, great hitter. And remember all the grief that we got, like, oh, he had a home run the day after All-Star break. Mm -hmm. And what's he done? I mean, his hand is bothering him still. He's admitted it. We still think, the pro baseball docs, that it's a hook of the handmade issue. There's no confirmation of that. But that's what would linger. And this is what we said. Okay, time will tell, right? In retrospect, during the All-Star break, if it was a handmade, aren't you better taking it out and now having Alvarez, he'd be 100% by now. Yeah, there's Look, another one that had a shortstop. Wander Franco, Franco yep. yeah. yeah. And he's he had a little setback, but he's he's still up with Versus the Versus linger, yeah. linger, linger these right. last six weeks, right. right? They got the third best record in the league. Or in the in all of baseball, they're the best record in the American League right now. So They had time to sit They're 11 and a half games up in the West. Why why let it linger until now, basically? Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? right? And we're still not a 1,000% sure it's right. a handmate. It just smells that way, and that's why we said we think he's going to continue to struggle. Do and te- unfortunately, now it's too late. Now you can't do anything. Now you just got to ride it out. Right. Do teams, um, do they, like, regret, like, doing this? Do they, are they, should they have, like, said that they see now, like, oh, statistically he's not doing well, even though, like, there's reports that it could have happened. Uh, do teams micromanage everything yeah. because they're just looking at all the fine point details. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe the team said do it, and Alvarez said I don't want to. Like you, know, said, you never know. Like you right. said surgery is a three part decision. It's yeah. the GM. It's the yeah, player. It's, it's the team. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? It's not about assigning blame, um, but it's just making observations on our end. Yeah. Well, it's good to be so weak. We got a. There's, there's been a lot of mascot I, I action. I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> there's the Ravens mascot that got hurt mid-game. You tweeted on that, dog. It's, it's hard to tell with the bulky suit, but uh, I, I like any mascot action. You know, I was surprised at how much play that got. Look, uh, I don't know. I, I, I try and have fun, but, I mean, not, we're not trying to – look, the poor mascot, assuming they were hurt, and they probably were, right? I mean, as opposed to part of the bit. Right. I don't think they're out there. I mean, like we're doing college now because there's NIL. You're getting paid, right? And pro athletes are getting paid. I think it's fair. I don't know. I don't. I, I just felt bad for the poor Raven, you know. And and so I just said, like, I'm not a vet. Do do birds have ACLs? I, I mean, did fact check for you. I texted you at like 3 a.m. the next day. They do not have ACLs. Yeah, so but well, I, yeah, I was looking at. I just make sure you're good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry you got hurt there, but I don't know. I don't think we can do that. No, you got more mascot stuff. Yeah, the Beast of the Week candidate. Blooper from the Braves. He's oh the Braves gosh. mascot. He was playing. I don't even know what kind of game this was, but um, it was his game. Is yes, <laughs> Blooper took over. That's for sure. He, he gets a handoff to go to the left. He stiff arms a kid. He's he's shaking him off as they're trying to grab his legs. He's showing no mercy. So was that pre-talked about before? Was he just like I don't know? I mean, look, we talked about was the Kingfish guy AJ Dillon right. getting yep. run over, and the and the mascot said I wasn't prepared for that. Right at least that's a grown man. I mean, He's have you no prepared. shame? The, the, the kids are like seven or something. I don't even know how old they <laughs> they're are. They're like right? peewee ball. Like yeah, six. Definitely. I mean, they're, and, and you're stiff arming them like, I don't know. I mean, there, there's no shame for me. I would do that in a heartbeat. Look, I got... look, if, 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 oh, well, <laughs> Blooper better keep his head on on a swivel when he's out of the thing or no one knows who he is. Yeah. Mom or dad might be a little upset at that. Yeah. No more kids events for Blooper for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, I don't know that I can award a beast of the week for that. I mean, that's just picking on kids. Yeah. You you would do that? Yeah, I was scoring a touchdown every time. Yeah, because I just I don't know how to hold back. I guess like sports wise and competitive. You're trying way too hard in PE and yeah. Just I was just everything. playing cornhole in my neighborhood the other day, and like they got mad at me. So I, I feel like I definitely you know it, it. I would I wouldn't mind doing that. Yeah, it's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. I don't know. Uh, was it like the my, Scott Frost my, thing, my, right? My, like, are they enjoying the puking on the field? Like, are these kids enjoying getting tackled like that? Like, <laughs> we had a friend move back to town, and uh, and uh, he's a, I won't say who, but he's a professional athlete, right? And he played Davis at ping pong, and Davis beat him. Davis right. is nine, legit yeah, yeah. beat him. Yeah. And then he wanted a rematch, and then he beat Davis, and then they had a 
you know, rubber match. Rubber match. Yeah, yeah. And in the end, I was like, Davis, you beat a professional athlete. Of course, he's the guy said former professional, athlete, but whatever. <laughs> Trying to play it down. Yeah. I said, look, Davis probably got an advantage because his head's like right here at the table level, right? I mean, he's not, you know, <laughs> whatever. True, I but, didn't think of that. Yeah. But but in any case, uh, Davis about to win, but then lost, and Davis was mad. I was like, dude, you're nine. Why are you mad? No, I cannot beat up on a kid. First of all, I'd be sleeping on the couch or in the garage. Oh, that's true. Yeah, 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 that's true. Why are you like? <laughs> no, I couldn't run over a kid. I couldn't. I would let him win. And, yeah. and and look, at this point, I've been shooting some hoops with Davis. I think he can start to legitimately beat me. That's good. Oh, that's a that's a big. Uh, that's coming, when you start trying harder. Age, yeah. That's when yeah. you start trying harder, though. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> my dad. See, my dad didn't do it. My dad would literally use his body to back me in the post when I was like eight. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I guess don't know. I, I don't when, know. I, when I play catch with him now, I'm I'm throwing left-handed because my right shoulder hurts. Yeah, and I can't throw. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think he's passing me, but I'm old. But no, I I, I can't award a beast of the week to. I got you. Mascots that knock kids down. I mean, nah. Can we do Brian Robinson for for staying positive through this all and just people keeping people updated? I mean, he doesn't have to do any of that, but. I think no, I think that's good, and and yeah, and and you know, like I said, I don't think it's career ending. I think he'll be back, and you know, he was the he's the luckiest unlucky person in the world, right? Right. So right. I like that. We'll make it Brian Robinson rather than Blooper, who for sure, it. yeah. It's, Taylor, don't. I mean, remind I me not to let you play with <laughs> Davis and other people. <laughs> I was you just watch over there the last couple of weeks. I was fine. I thought we just didn't do anything competitive, really. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching and listening. Rich Gannon, looking forward to working with him all season. We have for lots sure. of his content. And uh, draft time, use the toolkit. And also, uh, there's a 50-plus page preseason team preview. And next week, no more guests. We'll start talking some wagering, some totals, some prop bets. and uh, College football futures. starting as College well. football yeah. starting. And by the way, good job, guys, on taking Northwestern and suggesting that. But could you hook people up with a plus 350 money line? Yeah, I mean, right. You took I them plus they were 13 sweating, and a half. They were sweating the whole time. They were up 28-17, uh, Nebraska was. so. Yeah, but, you know, hey, in the end, I mean, these guys are saying, look, we got the right pick, our first official pick, and it's good. It's like, yeah, but get the money line. You left Come the on, money guys. on the board, though, for sure. <laughs> I'll take super safe over money I'm, any day. I'm just yeah. kidding. I don't even bet I'm yeah. in California. Anyways, all right, guys, thanks for watching and listening, and uh, here comes week one. 